Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Rich in Grace series, which walks through the book of Ephesians, discovering the incredible riches that we have in Christ. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, it's to open our Bibles, Ephesians chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number one, and our theme for the year, our theme for the year that we started with on Vision Sunday is the theme by grace. And out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 10, where Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not given in vain, but because I labored more abundantly than they all. And my labor, Paul says, listen, the labor, the work that I gave to God was all because of God's enabling grace in my life. So I laid down a principle when we started with our theme by grace. We laid down this principle that there's basically, there's a number of uh, definitions for grace, but the main definition of grace is the phrase or the, the two words, grace is unmerited favor. All right, what is grace? Unmerited favor. There is saving grace. Did you know you and I don't deserve to be saved? We don't deserve to have forgiveness of God. We don't deserve to be made right with God. It is God's unmerited favor. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hey, God's saving grace is unmerited favor in your life. But then God's grace does not stop at salvation. God's unmerited favor in your life doesn't stop when you trust Christ as Savior. No, then it becomes what we've called strengthening grace. Well, what is that? That is God's unmerited favor to give us what we need as we journey through life. Like, let me ask you, you ever had somebody that, you know, you didn't want to forgive because they hurt you, they said something, they did something, but you knew in your heart, I need to forgive them. And eventually, you've come to the place where now you can see that person and shake their hand, give them a hug, nice to see you, you know, and that, that bitterness isn't there. Well, how did you do that? God's grace. You ever had loss and heartache and you think, how am I going to make it through this? And then you get two or three or four or 15 years removed from it and you think, how did I get through that? God's grace. You ever had a financial challenge and a difficulty and you don't know what decision to make and yet you find yourself kind of just, just man, I'm, I'm kind of following a hunch, you know, and, but you're following biblical principles and you get to the end of it and you look back and you think, wow, how did I get through that? God's grace. What is that? That is the strengthening grace of God. You and I don't deserve strength to get through challenges and trials and yet God gives that to us. And so our theme for the year, by grace, One of the best books to help us see God's grace is the book of Ephesians. Personal story. We might be here for three hours today, but we're just going to have a good time. Many of you know everything we went through with my dad. And during all of that time, I was really praying. Um, I normally start in about, about... May, June, July, I begin planning for the next year for our church. I try to have everything planned, what I'm preaching, and maybe not uh, everything broken up, but I try to have the, the series I'm doing and the theme for the new year, try to, try to have it all done 
by, uh, by October, November time. And last year, you know, we started all that crazy stuff with my dad in July. That's when it really all kind of started. And I was praying about our theme. And in the month of August last year, I was reading the book of Ephesians. And I've been studying, if you, if you haven't been here, I, I used to just read through the Bible once a year and read four chapters a day and you get through the Bible in about 11 months and I would do that every 11 months. But a couple years ago, I thought I'm gonna change it up. And so now what I do for my time with the Lord, I literally, I read one book one month. So every day I read through that book or a large portion of that book. So right now I'm in the book of Ecclesiastes. So today's February, uh, what, February 6th. I've read Ecclesiastes six times already this month, and I'll read through that every day. August was Ephesians. I knew where we were at in our Corinthian study. I had a feeling about, you know, not wanting to do a verse out of Corinthians because our theme verse was out of Corinthians a couple years ago. But as I was reading the book of Ephesians, God began to show me, Dennis, everything with your, we, we knew in our hearts that unless God worked an absolute miracle, we knew my dad wasn't gonna be around much longer. And I remember thinking like, God, how am I gonna get through this? And I read the book of Ephesians just over and over and over again. You know what God showed me? Grace. Dennis, I'm gonna give you unmerited favor to help you. And one of my prayer requests through all that, many of you know this because I told it to you, God help me to lead our church well not to just be a broken pastor. <laughs> now, can I be broken? Yes, but God helped me to lead through brokenness with grace. And it was during that month of August that God solidified our theme of by grace in my heart. And I would come to 1 Corinthians fifteen ten, and that would be it. But this series that we're gonna go through, I, I wanna be honest with you, it's born in my life out of a very hurtful time. We're actually gonna break it up. We're gonna be in the book of Ephesians all year. But we're gonna be in three different series this year. And then we'll be in Exodus for the other two series. And I'll talk more about that. But anyway, but this very first series, we're gonna be in it. It's eight messages. And it's simply on the title of the series, Rich in Grace. Rich in Grace. What's that mean, Pastor? God's grace never runs out. Like, you don't know what this year holds, but God's bank account of grace will never be depleted for you. What an awesome principle. It's all throughout the first two chapters, and I think it'll be a help. Today, we're gonna be in chapter number one, first few six, first, uh, six verses of chapter one, but before we get into our series I really just wanna kinda of help us understand the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, of course, written by Paul to the believers at Ephesus, the church that he had started at Ephesus. We know Paul's story. I'm not gonna recap a lot of this, but about the year 53 AD is when Paul would come into the town of Ephesus for the very first time. You can read about it in Acts chapter number 18. Paul would only stay in Ephesus for a couple of days. He would leave there some partners of his, Aquila and Priscilla. We learned about them a little bit last week. <clears throat> excuse me, and 
Paul would go into Ephesus and he would uh, leave them. And then Paul would travel to Jerusalem and a couple other different places. But in Acts chapter number 19, Paul comes back to Ephesus and he begins to spend a number of months and really probably about two years Paul would spend in the town of Ephesus. What would he do there? He led people to Jesus, discipled them in Christ, and God used him to start an incredible, incredible ministry. Ephesus, of course, at this time would be one of the larger areas, one of the larger towns, one of the larger cities, if you will, not as large as Corinth that we just got through in our book of Corinthians, but Ephesus was a town that was known uh, for the worship of the goddess Diana. You can actually read about this in Acts 19, so I'm going to encourage you to go read it on your own time, and then we won't be here for three hours because I don't have to tell you. You can go read it for yourself. Acts chapter number 19, where the goddess Diana, uh, those who worshiped this goddess, they wanted to, uh, they wanted to get get rid of Paul. Why? Because Paul was hindering their source of income. Well, why was Paul hindering their source of income? Because they were making all the little trinkets and all the little statue gods of goddess uh, of the goddess Diana, the silversmiths were, and Paul was in town preaching that that is a false god. You need to uh, come over and believe in Jesus Christ. And Paul preached the gospel to them, and literally hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people were trusting Christ as Savior. Luke defines it this way in Acts 19.20, Paul's ministry in Ephesus. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Man, God's word was at work in Ephesus. God was doing great things. But they also had a fight on their hands. Luke says this, the same time there arose no small stir about that way. What was that way? Christianity, we know from Acts chapter number 19 that Paul would face fierce backlash from those silversmiths to the point of trying to beat Paul and any believers and try to fear people away from believing in Christ. But God's word prevailed. Hey, can I just give you a simple principle this morning? God's word will always prevail. You can mark it down, take it to the bank, that everything in this book, every principle of God, every doctrinal truth, every prophecy, it will prevail. The Bible actually says it this way, and Jesus said, not, not the smallest little thing, a jot or a tittle, which is um, grammar in, in the, the different languages. God said, hey, every single thing will come to pass. God's word will always prevail. I hope that you would lean into God's word. I hope that God's word would be something that would prevail in your life and be strength giving in your life. But Paul was there in Ephesus. He would leave. Paul wouldn't come back to Ephesus, to the town of Ephesus, probably during his entire ministry. However, Paul would meet in Acts chapter 20 with the leaders of the church at Ephesus, and he would help disciple them. And you can go and study, I believe, that the church and the believers at Ephesus had a special place in Paul's heart. And what Paul writes to them about in the entire book of Ephesians is just about all of the riches that we have in Christ. And one of the riches, one of the supernatural blessings that we have because of being Jesus Christ followers and believers in Christ is the grace of Jesus. And so we are rich in grace. Today as we come to Ephesians chapter one, the first six verses, I'm gonna make a confession to you. Are you ready? I'm confessing my faults. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. So I'm confessing my faults. Here's one of my faults. 
I care often too much about what people think about me. How many of you are like that too, be honest? Okay, if every hand's not going up, then we're just gonna stay here for a while because that is one of our faults of all of us. Man, you ever think about it? Do you ever just give too much attention to what somebody thinks about you? I know in my life and uh, uh, spouses, you should be concerned about what your spouse thinks about you and, and trying to, to please your spouse and be an encourager and a help to your spouse. But I'll be honest, one of the things that I struggle with in our marriage is I think too much. What's Hannah thinking about me right now? And she'll tell you all the time, honey, I'm not thinking anything mean to you about you right now because I'm there and I'm all like defensive and nervous and I'm always thinking, man, what is Hannah thinking? Is she happy that I did this? After I preach a message, I'm thinking, what does Hannah think? Is it, was it a good message? Does she think I'm an idiot? Like, was I too repetitive? What I do? I'm thinking that type of stuff all of the time. That's, my, that, that's one of my many flaws and one of my many uh, failures. But you know what? In life, we can often, we, we just want to know. You want to know, what are they thinking? What does my boss think about me? What does that friend think about me when you're a teenager? You know, it's like, it's like when you're a teen or you, when, remember when you were in elementary, let's go back further. Remember when you were in elementary school? The little note, some of you can't remember that far back. Let me remind you, you're in elementary school. Do you remember those little notes that you would pass and you passed it to your little crush and the, on that note, it said, do you like me? And then underneath it had yes and no, and then circle one. I'm not going to ask how many of you gave one of those notes or received one of those notes, but you know what happened. Why? Man, I'm consumed with what do they think about me? You know, in life, sometimes we can think that about God. <clears throat> do you ever wonder, what does God think about me? Man, you ever wonder that? Like, what does God think? I mean, and you almost want to fill out the note, like, God, do you like me today? Yes or no? Circle one. You know, it's, man, God, what do, you, what do you think about me? As we come to our first part in our study in Rich in Grace, this morning I want to show you what God thinks of you. And I ask a question this morning, what does God think of you? What does God think of me? Today's, morning, today's message, honestly, it's a very simple message. It's very simple, and really, it's super encouraging, because today we're going to learn these three, these three truths. I'm going to give them to you, and then we'll talk about them, and we'll be done today. Number one, what does God think about you? God adores you. He adores you. He places value in your life. Number two, what does God think about you? God adopts you. He sees you as a child of God. God adores you. God adopts you. Number three, God accepts you. Every flaw, every failure, every good, God says, I accept you into my life. What an incredible encouraging truth. God adores, God adopts, and God accepts. I want you to see those three principles with me. Stand if you would. Ephesians chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number one. We're going to read the first six verses today. The first six verses of Ephesians chapter one. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you 
and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I love these verses. I love the principle. It's just going to show us what God thinks about us. I remember when I told you last week, when Hannah and I first met, I didn't tell you that she was staying in a cabin with my cousin, Brianna, when we first met. After we met and we spent some time together, do you want to know what I asked Brianna over and over again? What did Hannah say about me? Hey, did Hannah like me? Hey, what did, you know what we're doing this morning? We're coming to Paul and we're saying, hey, Paul, what's God think about us? Hey, 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 Paul, what does God say about me? And Paul's gonna give us these principles. God adores you, God adopts you, and God accepts you. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our time together. I pray that you'd help us as we spend a few minutes here in your word. Would you arrest our attention? Lord, I pray that you'd use me, that you'd fill me with your spirit. I pray, God, that your spirit would lead every word, every action. I pray that you'd help us today, help me to preach Father, and to give your truth for your glory, not mine, for your name to be lifted up. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us today to be spirit-filled in these moments, that we would hear from you, and that you would work in our lives. We love you. We thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. What does God think of you? That first principle, God adores you. God adores you. Verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful or faith-filled in Christ Jesus. Paul is simply doing his normal greeting. If you're a student of the word of God, then you know that Paul often would greet at the beginning of his letters and at the end of his letter. At the beginning, Paul determines who he's writing to. So who is the letter to? It's to the believers at the church at Ephesus. What does Paul say to them? I love verse number two. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to speak fast this morning because I don't want to be here till one o'clock because then my wife won't think good thoughts about me. Uh, But I'm going to speak fast, but we're going to nail down a bunch of scripture. But I love Ephesians chapter one, verse number two, and I love Colossians, the book of Colossians and the book of Philemon. Well, why, pastor, do you love these books? Well, number one, they're in the Bible. But number two, they were all written by Paul at the same time. Paul wrote the book of Colossians, the book of Ephesians, and the letter to Philemon about the the slave Onesimus. Paul wrote all three of them while he was in a jail cell in Rome. Paul was under house arrest in Rome awaiting to go trial, to go before Nero, who was at that time, who we we know because of history, Nero was one of the, uh, the biggest antagonists of biblical Christianity and would kill many, many people because they believed in Jesus Christ. Paul was awaiting trial before Nero. Now, why does verse number two help us understand something about Paul's thought when he was facing trial? Because he says, grace and peace unto you. Well, what was Paul saying? 
Paul was giving them his prayer request for them. And we're gonna see him do that later. And he does the same thing in Colossians as well as in Philemon. Paul is sitting in a jail cell awaiting trial. And he says, I'm praying that God's strength would be in your life and peace would be in your life. I don't know about you, but when you go through trials, are you quick to do that? Like, are you quick to tell other people you're praying for them in your trial? Or are you quick like I am to say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm really going through a trial. You know what? Paul had every right. He's sitting in a jail cell. And you know what? There are a couple of times in scripture when Paul says, hey, pray for me. But you know what he says to pray to do when he was in jail? He said, hey, pray for me that God would give me courage and boldness to speak for him in the midst of this trial. I don't believe you find in scripture where Paul says, hey, pray for me to get out of this. I'm really in a bind. And I love, I love verse two, grace and peace. I'm, I'm praying for grace and peace in your life. Uh, Paul had such a great thought about others, but I want you to notice verse three and verse number four where we learn that God adores us. Ephesians chapter one, verse three and verse number four, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The word blessed in verse number three, it means to be adored. I think I have it here. It means to, nope, I don't. Uh, the word blessed, it means to be adored. Paul is saying God is to be adored. He's to be worshiped. Well, why is God to be adored? Because he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Anything good that comes in my life, that phrase uh, spiritual blessings has to do with just simply all of the supernatural blessings or holy blessings that can be brought into a person's life. God brings them there. And so Paul is simply saying this, to be adored is God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why, Paul? Because he has blessed or prospered us with all supernatural and holy spiritual blessings and, verse number four, through his love, he made us holy and without blame before him. Here's what Paul is saying in these few verses. God is to be adored because he places value upon you. God deserves to be adored because he values and adores you. Verse number four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I'm, I'm just, I don't, uh, we're doing it. I, I don't wanna get into a whole big uh, discussion today of the, the doctrine of soteriology or salvation but there's a theology out there that teaches that God, um, there's a theology that teaches that God picks and chooses people who will be saved. So Dale, you can be saved. Veronica, you can't. Jeff, you can. Anita, you can't. Beth, you can. And that God does that type of stuff. And they do that. That, that doctrine is born out of passages like this where the word is used chosen. Or a few verses later, it's uh, God's foreknowledge or predestined. Here's what we have to understand. God is sovereign. God knows everything, correct? God lives outside of time and space. God is not bound to time like you and I are. I don't know what's gonna happen next week. God already knows what's happening next week. Why? Because God is already there. I don't know what eternity holds, but God knows what eternity holds. Why? Because God is already in eternity. You say, pastor, explain that. I can't. Because we are bound by laws like gravity, time, space, we're, we're bound by different things that confine us or restrict us 
to the, that broad understanding. But here's the principle I wanna bring out. The scripture teaches God doesn't pick and choose one person to be saved and one person to go to hell. God chooses everybody to be saved. Did you know that? Did you know that God's desire is that every single person would be saved? So this verse, according to that, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. You know what? Before God created anything, he had the master plan of Jesus. He knew, he knew sin was going to happen. Adam and Eve didn't take God by surprise. He knew it was going to happen. And so you know what he did? He had a plan, a predetermined plan to redeem mankind through Jesus Christ. And that plan said that offering of Jesus is for the sin of the world. Mankind, everybody, anybody can come to know Christ as their Savior. And so, first, uh, man, I'm, my slides are really messed up today. I have no idea how. There's the answer. Give me a second and let me pretend like I know what I'm doing with this. Second uh, Peter chapter three and verse number nine, it says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what God did? This is what God did before the foundation of the world. He said, every single person that I create, I am going to give them opportunity to put their faith and their trust in me. Why? Because I love my creation. Hey, I don't know if you know it this morning, but God absolutely loves you. He adores you. John wrote it this way in 1 John chapter 3, verse number one, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. You know what Paul says? He says, behold, hey, stop and give attention to the manner or the type of love that God would have for you that he would call you a son of God. And we'll see the adoption in just a minute. But I want you to focus upon that love. You know the verses will be at them at the very end. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world we talk about that little two-letter word, so. It means indescribable. It's John who literally walked with Jesus Christ, who was the one that was very close with Christ. He said, I can't even describe to you how much God loves you and how much God places value in you. And you know what the devil says? The devil says that you aren't worth anything, but God says, hey, before I even allowed you to be born, when I saw your substance in the womb, I said, I love you. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 18, it says this. It says, for thou hast possessed my reins and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes, they did see my substance and yet being unperfect, in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet none was, uh, was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Hey, I wanna just remind you of a very simple and yet profound and life-changing truth this morning. God knew you were a sinner. He knew the sin that you would commit. 
He knew that you would have a broken relationship with him. He knew that there would be times even after you came to him as Savior, that there'd be times when you walk away from him and the times when you say, no, God, I don't want your influence in my life. And yet, you know what God says? I love you. I adore you. 1 John 4, 19, we can love him. Why? Because he loves us. Hey, what does God think of you today? He adores you. You're loved by God. I don't don't want you to say that out loud, but I want you to think it. This simple statement, I am loved by God. Hey, we're not just talking about some little trinket that we're trying to pep talk ourselves into and motivationally encourage ourselves so that we can move forward this week. No, 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 my friend. Hey, the God that created this universe I don't know if you've traveled before. Some of you have. Some of you have been world travelers and you've been around. There are some pretty spectacular places in the the world. I know that this may sound silly, but I think the sunsets over Moses Lake, I've, I've traveled. The sunsets over Moses Lake are some of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen in my life. And you can look at it and see all of those colors. Some of you are like, Pastor, I grew up here. It's not that beautiful. No, 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 it is. It's, 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 it's beautiful. And I've seen the sun set over the Mediterranean. And I've seen the sun set over the, uh, the, the Sea of Galilee. And I've seen the sun rise over the Eastern Ocean. And I've seen the, 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 the uh, 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 Pacific, I've, the Western Ocean, the Pacific. I've seen the sun set there. Listen, I've seen that. You've seen those mountains. You've seen the beauty. I've been to Grand Canyon. I've seen uh, different places like that. I've been to the, the Redwood Forest in, in, uh, in California. I've been uh, to the Four Corners, and I've seen this, the beautiful Rocky Mountain Ranges and the Big Sky Montana, and I've laid out at 2 a.m. in the morning over the Aurora Borealis when it was so bright that it felt like daytime. Man, I have been in those places, and you know what? The God who created all of that, he looks at me, and he says, Dennis Fountain, you are not worth much to other people. You are not worth much to the devil. You may not be worth much to this culture, but Dennis Fountain, I love you. Hey, he says it about you. God adores you. Secondly, notice it with me. God adopts you. God adopts you. Verse number five, Ephesians chapter one and And verse number five, we read this, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Hey, listen, it was God's plan before the foundation of the world that whoever receives Christ would be given the spirit of adoption. That word predestinated, it simply means this. Since God is already in eternity, He knows who's going to be saved. And since he knows who's going to be saved, even though he has it open to everybody, he knows that not everybody is going to choose him. But he says, hey, for anybody who receives me as Savior, I am going to adopt them into my family. Did you know that you are not, you you do not come into the family of God by adoption? We come into the family of God by being born again. So there's this principle then. 
I'm born into God's family when I receive Jesus Christ as my savior, I'm born again. But then God places it within my life, the spirit of adoption, Romans 8, 15, whereby I cry, Abba, Father. So how does that happen? Am I in the family twice? I'm born into the family, yet adopted into the family. I love how one man defined it. It's awesome. Adoption is the act, the act of God by which he gives those who are born into his family an adult standing in the family. Why does God do this? God does this so that we can immediately begin to claim our inheritance and enjoy our spiritual wealth. A baby, a baby cannot legally use the inheritance that's been given to them, right? A child who receives an inheritance has to hit a certain age before it can be theirs. And so someone could say, well, All spiritual blessings do not belong to you until you've been saved or known Christ for a certain amount of time. God says, not so. You are born into my family, but as soon as you're born into my family, I give to you the spirit of adoption. You know what that means? All of the riches in Christ, they are yours at the moment of salvation. You're adopted into the family of God. The riches in Christ are available to all who believe. Why? Because we are adopted. What does this mean? This means that, hey, God is not waiting. Oh, oh, get it. God is not waiting for you to hit some certain age in your Christian faith before you can mature in him. I'm telling you today, as a pastor for now almost 11 years and in ministry for 16 years and with my family in ministry my entire life, I have seen it time and time and time again. Many believers, they say this, well, I can't grow in the Lord because I haven't been saved like them. I, I will never be mature like that spiritual leader. I could never lead a class. I could never help with a Bible study. I could never get up and use my talents for the Lord. I could never be a greeter. Why? Well, because you don't know my past. I mean, you don't know. uh, Yeah, I know that God saved me, but you know what? Uh, I'll just wait a few years before I take a step of faith in Christ. That's not how it works. No, here's what God says. When you trusted me as Savior, every spiritual blessing is yours. That means you have strength to serve, just like the person who's been saved for 55 years. That means God wants to use his word to work in your life just like he does a pastor's life. Hey, just because it's my vocation to study the word of God does not mean that I know everything about the Bible. I'll be the very first one to admit, I don't. And there are people in this room that know more about the word of God than I do. And I'm fine with that. You know why? Because it's available to us all. So don't have a mindset of, well, I'm not pastor, so I can't memorize scripture. This brain doesn't like to work just like your brain doesn't like to work. (laughs) And if I'm going to memorize scripture, you know what I got to do? I got to work at it. And I'm finding that the older I get, the more I forget. And some of you are like, yeah, buckle up, pastor. I know. I'm afraid of what's going to happen to this mind when I turn like 80. I don't, I'm going to be, I don't know what I'm going to be because sometimes I'm like, hi, my name's Dennis. That's right. My name is Dennis. Man, there's some things we, hey, don't make excuses for not using your life for God now. Are you still with me this morning? We need to understand that when you were born into the family of God, God placed upon you the adoption 
because of Jesus Christ. And I absolutely love the fact when it says in John chapter one and verse number 12, but as many as received him, hey, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe upon his name. Adoption is a big deal. Adoption places value on someone who otherwise seems forgotten. Adoption is a beautiful picture of selfless love. And when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, God said, not only are you born into a relationship with me, but I am giving to you the spirit of adoption and I am giving you access to all of those spiritual blessings. All throughout scripture, Paul writes about the adoption from God. You haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, my dear father. Titus 3, 5, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life, that that an heir, we get the inheritance. Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth his spirit, or the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hey, God places so much of value upon you. He adores you so much that he adopts you and he gives you access to the riches that are in Christ. You wanna know what God thinks about you? God doesn't see you as some inconvenience during his life. God doesn't see you as someone who is a waste of time. God doesn't see you as a mistake that should not have been. God does not see you as purposeless. No, God sees you as a worth individual, not a worthless individual. Hey, God sees you and he adopts you. Why? Because he adores you. God places so much value upon you that he adopts you and gives you access to the riches which are in Christ. What's God think about me? He adores you. He adopts you. Lastly today, he accepts you. Verse number six, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I learned a lot this week as I studied for this passage, last few months even. Here's what Paul is saying in this verse. Ultimately, God deserves the praise for everything because of the fact that we are accepted and because of Jesus Christ. Here's what God has done. God has placed his grace or his favor upon us because of himself. You know, it's interesting in this verse, there's a couple of words used. It says that we are accepted in the beloved. The word accepted means highly favored. And the word beloved means highly favored. So if we read, read it with those definitions, it would say, wherein he hath made us highly favored in the highly favored. I absolutely love this. Well, what is it talking about? You are highly favored by God because of the one who is highly favored by God. Hey, you, oh, this is too good. You are accepted by God because Jesus Christ died for you and stands in your stead. Amen. 
We can't make ourselves acceptable to God, but he, because of grace, he accepts us in Christ. And our eternal purpose, listen, the, the eternal position that you have the eternal standing that you have if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, listen, it will never change. God accepts you because of him, not you. Paul wrote to Philemon, I said that these were all written around the same time. Paul wrote to Philemon to encourage Philemon to accept Onesimus as he would accept Paul. Here's what Paul said. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him, Onesimus, as myself. If he have wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. Hey, Philemon, accept Onesimus as if you would accept me. This is what Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus about their relationship with God. Hey, God accepts you not because you are something special. God accepts you because his son is someone special. God doesn't accept you because of what you do or don't do. God accepts you because of what Jesus Christ did on a cross and what Jesus Christ does at the right hand of the throne of God. Hey, don't ever think, you know what? God doesn't love me today because of my past. God doesn't love me today because of that thought. God doesn't love me today because of that bitterness. God doesn't love me today because I can't forgive. No, no, no. Your love, God's love for you is not ever going to change. Why? Because his love for you does not depend upon you. It doesn't depend upon you keeping yourself in love with God in the sense of like, God, I've got to maintain this umbrella. You know, you, your love is like an umbrella. And if I ever come out from under it, then God, your wrath is going to strike down upon me. No, no, no. God accepts you because you are highly favored because of him who is highly favored. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. It all points to him. The Bible says it this way. Paul wrote it to Timothy. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Colossians 3, 3. Hey, you are dead. When you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, your flesh is dead. And now you are born again. You are alive. And your life is hid with Christ in God. What does that mean, pastor? It means when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees his son standing in front of you. Hebrews 7, and 25, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Wherefore, God is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, Jesus, seeing he, Jesus, ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hey, Jesus stands in your place before God. I am accepted by God. God highly favors me, not because of me, but because of Jesus. And there is nothing that you can do that would lose the favor of Jesus Christ in your life. He stands before God on your behalf. I don't know if you ever noticed, but our life can be certainly filled with bad news. Discouraging stories disheartening information. And I don't know where you're at today in the sense of if you're at a low point, a point of discouragement. I don't know if this week's been a good week or a bad week. But I do know this morning that we have some incredibly encouraging thoughts before us. And that encouragement comes by way of knowing what God thinks about us. 
And this morning, I would say this, that if you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, if you've put your faith and your trust in him, you can say this, I am adored by God. I am adopted by God. And I am accepted by God. You know what the devil's gonna do? In life, the devil likes to crawl up on your shoulder and he likes to say, see, you failed. See, you missed a day in the Bible. See, you said that to your spouse. See, you did what? And the devil likes to get up on your shoulder and he likes to say, you're worthless. Hey, you're a failure. Hey, God thinks you're a loser. Hey, a follower of God would never do that. You know what you need to do? You need to turn right back around at the devil and you need to say, I'm adored by God. I'm adopted by God. And I'm accepted by God. Now, does that all give me permission to live how I want? No, because I should still love God. But we can't love him. We can't love him unless we really truly realize we love him because he first loved us. But maybe you're here this morning and you don't know if Jesus Christ is in your life. You, you would say, Pastor, I, I want to say I'm adopted and accepted, but I've never put my faith and my trust in Jesus. I've, I've been baptized. Baptism won't get you to heaven. I've said a prayer. Saying a prayer won't get you to heaven. No, there's got to be a time in your life when you've nailed it down and put your faith and your trust in Jesus, believing upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today, if you're here and you need to make that decision, the verse I said we would end at in just a second, John 3, 16. It was written for every one of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, hey, God God adores you and he wants to give you that adoption and that acceptance, but it will only come as you Receive him. Put your faith and your trust upon him and receive him into your life. And if you're here and you've never done that, today could be the day where you nail that down. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. When I ask you a couple of questions today, the first one this morning is, do you know for sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? If you're here and you'd be honest, You'd say, Pastor, I know for sure if I die that I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. I've put my faith and my trust in him. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down, Pastor? I know that. Hey, today, would you ask the Lord to help you this week to remember what God thinks about you? Would you ask the Lord to help you this week to stand in defense against the devil when he comes at you with those thoughts of failure and those thoughts of of not being what you are, what you should be in Christ? Would you just ask God, God, help me to remember I'm loved by you. I'm valued by you. I'm adopted by you. God, help me to remember this week that I'm accepted in you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.